Hi, welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today is Bridget Orton from Roboto Media. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So um, uh, you're very welcome. So can you tell me a little bit more about your background and where you come from? Yes, I am a digital marketer, specifically for e-commerce brands, and I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, originally. Um, I moved to New York City like every young girl's sex in the city dream, and I worked for a few agencies there. I had the opportunity to build a a division of an agency there, uh, but my dreams took me across the pond to Europe. I I left that company to um, be on a launch team for an agency. I was part of a very exciting growth trajectory. It was like 40 million in the second year that I was there. I was the only salesperson and client manager, but I decided to leave that position to start my own brand, Rubato. Uh, Rubato has taken many forms over the past few years. And um, most recently, uh, it was kind of at its peak of 25 clients, 10 employees, and I closed that version of it uh, to be kind of more true to myself. And now I'm just working with a few brands and kind of figuring out my next big thing. Um, And in the meantime, I've been traveling outside the US since 2016. So that's a big part of my story as well. Um, And I guess the only other fun fact about me is I do not have a digital marketing degree. I actually have a classical piano performance degree. (laughs) Super random. So that kind of sums up some, you know, some of the highlights of Bridget's life the past few years. So, um, so Bridget, that's like super interesting. Um, and, and I, I can't leave it alone. So how does the, <laughs> how does the performance degree influence the decisions you're making now? Yeah. Wow. That's such an interesting question. I take so much actually from my, from my training in music. Um, I think first and foremost, probably my work ethic, because I was working for months and months on a one hour performance. For example, <laughs> I had, you know, one or two concerts per year that I would train all year for. So that definitely plays into who I am today. I think, um, you know, passion driven. <laughs> I definitely have that, that spiritual musician vibe that I bring into my work. Um, Rubato, actually the name comes from music, which means that you can kind of flex the tempo to match the music and the emotion of that. And that's what I wanted to do with my company is to kind of build something that fit me. So those are a few things top of mind, but there's so many, even just performing and studying performance and doing that well. Um, you know, there's so much that I do in advertising that's performing or presenting myself or marketing in general is a lot of presentation. And I studied that and how to, you know, do that at a very high level. So lots of correlations for sure. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. And I think um, for, so, so the name uh, and, and how much performance influences the, the business that you're in, how, um, how is that flexibility? You, you, you've mentioned you've been through multiple iterations of your company. Uh, so, so flexibility is clearly baked in. How did you determine uh, when and where to pivot in your business? Yeah. Um, well, there's been several iterations and I would say different reasons for different ones. Um, when I first got started, I was, I was actually running on a performance basis. So I was buying media with my own money and getting paid for actions on the other side, like a cost per lead, cost per download, et cetera. 
that worked to a certain point and just stopped working. So I was burning thousands of dollars at one point and I couldn't figure it out. So I had to pivot. Um, this most recent time that I pivoted was more about just, I just didn't feel uh, an alignment with the passion, with the vision, with uh, just how I felt every day. Just it, it wasn't all aligning. I felt it. It was more like an intuition thing of, you know, what I was spending the majority of my time on versus how I felt the majority of my time. Um, but in between those two things, that was kind of beginning and end. There was another pivot that I did. And, and I would say that was kind of the pivot from more freelance uh, version of my company to a more, uh, you know, to more infrastructure and having full time employees and, and, uh, you know, growing my client list. And that was more about the fact that I kept on feeling like I was on this roller coaster of I would have two or three clients, um, you know, maybe one was even paying me, you know, ten fifteen thousand $15,000 a month. And then a couple of other smaller ones, my time super wrapped up in that. I actually think that we we spoke about that the first time that we connected. Um, and then, you know, I, I would lose one of these big clients and, you know, by they hired internally or, you know, sometimes it was my fault, sometimes no fault of my own. And then boom, my finances were screwed up and <laughs> I was sitting there, you know, trying to pay rent on a credit card again. And And I did that for a couple of years and I thought, this is crazy. I have to get outside of this, this roller coaster of, of, you know, my finances. And so I built infrastructure for that reason, which totally changed the, uh, you know, the essence of my business at the time. So those are the three uh, core pivots that I've made to date. I'm sure there will be more as we go along. This is, um, you've, you've encapsulated the consulting trap uh, perfectly, actually, the, the whole name of the show. So um, when you started to put infrastructure in place, what was the nature of that infrastructure? You know, our, our listeners are going to be looking for um, kind of the, the takeaways here that they can run with. And and when you say you put in infrastructure and, and that problem went away, my, you know, light bulbs are going off like, okay, well, so now I have to know, like, what were the things that you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a few things come to mind, even though I could probably talk for days about this particular item. Um one thing is that I was able to, by, by hiring a few employees, which had its own journey, I didn't just magically come up with more employees. But once I got to that point where I had a few employees and I had clients, the biggest thing was that I was able to have uh, some large clients, some small clients, some medium-sized clients. And I was able to spread that out to where even if I lost a large one or I lost two small ones or whatever, the system still worked. And so there are some economies with scale that uh, that did work. So I was stable. My finances evened out. All of that was kind of um, accomplished by being able to manage more clients. And then I purposefully had different sizes of clients. Um, I did not optimize just for the big ones because that's tough to manage from, from the P&L. Um, I hired a business coach. I uh, begged people to come on and work with me, uh, you know, talking about the growth. I really believed in it at the time. I w- it was very easy for me to sign clients. Now there's kind of some more competition in the industry. But um, 
I was straight hustling, working crazy hours to do what, you know, to build that infrastructure. Um, and yeah, we can probably, you know, this probably segues into another thing. But one of the things that I feel like I did wrong in that process of trying to build infrastructure was I grew the infrastructure without necessarily growing very structured processes. And I could never catch up. Once I grew the business like that, I had salaries to pay. I was paying like $80,000 a month of salaries. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a lot of stress and pressure. And to try to go back with all of these clients and I had a creative team, I had editors, I had a media team, we were doing all kinds of things. And to try to structure it after the fact, I never caught up with that. I think there's probably ways that it were possible. We talked about it all the time as a team. We tried, but we never could, you know, with the bandwidth that we had doing the work, we never caught up fully with building the processes, which was a catalyst in the end to, to uh, you know, me choosing to to close the business. So that um, that process set that that you're mentioning, um, that that infrastructure, right? Um, are you are you talking about service delivery processes? Are you talking about demand generation processes? Which ones were the ones that were almost impossible to retrofit? How did that work, and and what was going on there that when you made that decision? Mm-hmm. I think there were kind of two things. Uh, probably oversimplified version of you know what was actually happening, but. Uh, from a high level, I think that there were a lot of moving parts of onboarding a client. There always are. Um, now I've had months to work on processes and I'm working with a very small handful of clients. So I can see just how many moving parts there were. And now I've organized them. So all of those moving parts did not sync well. And as I was hiring more and more people, that just spread those moving parts over different people. And there was no centralized place. It's like, we do this, then we do this, then we do this. And there also wasn't that accountability of those things. But furthermore, uh, training. And those two things kind of go hand in hand. But it was very difficult for me whenever I was hiring people because I needed them to do things. And they had a lot of experience, but they didn't have experience with my team, with my clients, with my business. And I... And I saw this problem at the time, but I didn't have the time to solve it. And uh, so, you know, there's probably ways to solve the problem of training um, after the fact at the stage of business that I was in. So if you're in that place, don't think that it's not possible. (laughs) Uh, I chose not to continue trying to solve it. But um, it is so, so, so much easier to do that on the front end and every role coming in to think about, you know, hey, even if this person has 10 years of experience, uh, don't be naive in thinking that they won't need training. Um, So that's, you know, the the two ways that now I'm doing it again at a very small scale in a way that I enjoy, but I'm fixing those two things from day one. And it's like magic. It's crazy how well it works. (laughs) Interesting because I... you know, I've, I've I've drawn this distinction in the past with with other folks that I've worked with, and one of the things that comes up is 
there's there's two ways to grow. You can grow like a weed, right, which is out of control and unmanageable, or you can grow with intention, like in, as in a garden or a flower or a vegetable or something like that. Um, <clears throat> as you've um, uh, ran into those infrastructure problems, um, I, I think that the the underlying sort of under assumption there was that the business was already there, right? So you were already everything was in flight. So anything you were trying to do was you know changing the wheels on the bus while you're driving it kind of thing this um uh, it sounds like this approach that you're taking right now is processing all that learning and being more deliberate as you onboard but on the business demand side how are you putting processes to that because that's a, a, another key part of the conversation and by d- business demand you mean uh, signing clients business development how are you how are you mm-hmm. growing it are you are you as process focused on that side of the conversation Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the time, uh, I was, and that was one of the things that, you know, as a bootstrap business, I am very, very, very structured, and I never wanted to not be able to pay salaries. That was the most important thing to me was people getting paid and on time. Um, so that was something that I had people in place. I had processes. I had systems. We were using HubSpot, paying hundreds of dollars a month for that. Like we were investing in new business development, and it worked. Um, you know, we did well. In the, in the very early days, we actually closed all of our business from Upwork. And then we had to move outside of Upwork because that was just capturing current demand. And I knew that to really scale, we had to get into the, not necessarily creating demand, but playing in a wider market. Um, so, you know, we did have to adjust our, our biz dev quite drastically. Now, fast forward to today, uh, I'm in a completely different landscape now selling my business, knowing all this stuff, having had all the success. Um, I have less success on BizDev now than I did four years ago. And that's due to competition. And I think that competition has also made the, the market better. So it's not only competitive with number of people in it, it's competitive with the quality that advertisers are experiencing. So um, my my strategy now is to not be sending a million cold emails, but going with the, the content and providing value. And I'm going slow because I can. And that's the way that I'm setting up this business to your point, right, about the garden. That's exactly how I'm setting this up. And I'm not building infrastructure that I can't manage with sales that are actually kind of more organic. And I don't mean organic from a lack of effort, but I mean organic as in not trying to force it, but you know, as the system grows, slowly building the infrastructure along with it. So uh, that's that's really interesting. In your space, um and again we've we've had consultants of, of all stripes on the show. So it's it's interesting to me. Is there a, a viable product ladder in your marketplace? Or is it straight to, you know, off you go. It's time for the big media spend. Um, so you mean like size and spend of clients and if people with less experience have opportunities with smaller accounts and then. So yeah. Forth, I mean, how, do, mean? how does that ladder work? Is there a, is there an entry level kind of uh, equivalent uh, purchase option for clients that are looking for this kind of service versus, mm-hmm. you know, the full on, uh, media blitz conglomerate <laughs> kind of thing where it's like everywhere all at once. Yeah, I'm. I think that more so than ever, 
Um, and what I'm seeing is that there's a lot of decentralization in the market in general with a lot of freelancing with paid digital media. And not only freelancers, uh, but freelancers not just in the U.S. for U.S. clients. Uh, there's a huge influx of people in South America, especially, especially sorry, um, who are coming into the market. And I'm, I'm here, so I see that. Uh, but I know that there's many other places, too, that are way, way, way cheaper. So you have very high level talent, talent that's working with big brands like brands that we know, like Coca-Cola or whatever. But it's the South American version of that. So they get this excellent experience and training. They speak very good English and they offer themselves at a price that works for their economies and their country which is usually way, way, way less than um, the American economy. So I say that American talent tends to be very high priced and sometimes high value. And that is kind of flipping and decentralizing. So I think that I see a lot of uh, brands go to these, you know, smaller one-off guys that are super happy to close a client for 500 US dollars per month and give 100% of themselves more than they've ever given in their life. You know, and then you have all the different layers above that with small teams of people. And then you have U.S. small agencies and, you know, so forth. The other the last thing I'll mention about this is that, you know, agencies do tend to kind of play on the types of clients that they work with. So some scale their economies with, you know, five hundred dollar a month clients uh, and they have like 50 accounts for every rep. And then you have the agencies that specifically have like three people for every three accounts or even less, you know, so there's all the, these kind of dynamics as well, as far as like how many accounts each one of those reps is, is working on. It sounds, uh, it sounds like the, the marketplace there is complicated. And if you're new to it, you're going to definitely need a guide, which is <laughs> one of the wonderful reasons to have you on the show. So, uh, yes. Bridget, Bridget, as we wrap up, um, who should reach out to you and get that kind of guidance and how should they do so? Yeah. So anybody who would like to pick my brain about anything, whether it's, you know, building the business or, you know, traveling plus career, or if you're a client needing some help in your account, I love chatting with people. I'm happy to help free of charge. I love meeting new people. So don't hesitate to reach out for any reason. Um, probably the best way to reach me is on either LinkedIn. So you can find me with my name, Bridget Orton, or with my email, which is Bridget at rubatomedia.com. I'll spell that out. Uh, my first name is spelled B-R-I-D-G-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E, and then Rubato is R-U-B-A-T-O. So Bridget at rubatomedia.com. Happy to receive any any uh, outreach there. Awesome. And if you can help us uh, as we close the show here, summarize the three big takeaways uh, that you have had in your process so far, either your, your, your three biggest uh, uh, reading influences or three biggest media influences, whatever, what, or, or the, or the three, you know, uh, truths that you've discovered in your process. <laughs> um, we're, we're looking for the magic three at the end. Do you have any? Um, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> the way that I think about this is kind of more mentality. So there's three parts of my mentality that I think have really served me well. The first thing is that I believe that my desires are part of my purpose. So as I'm 
chasing after my desires. I actually believe in that path, which gives me a lot of strength. Um, the second thing is I have a very, very high tolerance for risk. This just serves me like a charm. <laughs> and the last thing is that I do give myself permission at any stage once I arrive at what I want to blow it all up and revamp myself again. And I think that's really important to give yourself permission to, to get what you want and then that not to be what you want anymore and to change your mind. So I always encourage people, change your mind. It's totally cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Bridget, thank you so much for your time today. Our listeners uh, uh, certainly have profited, as have I, uh, from the guidance you've provided. Thank you again. Great. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-A-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done-for-you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, What are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, Those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.